0: Thank you for joining us this evening on Answering Religious Error. Uh, We'll have some announcements for you toward the end of the program to remind you of some of the programs that we have throughout the week. But we want to remind you that every Tuesday night, we come to you in a series we call Keeping My Head On Straight. And tonight is a very sobering, kind of pun intended, uh, topic. You know, there are a lot of things we enjoy in this life. We were chatting a little bit before about tacos and cinnamon rolls. But yet, somehow or another, man got it in his head That drinking alcohol was the way to have fun, was the way to overcome problems. Unfortunately, they're just adding more to their problems. And unfortunately, drinking alcohol has become more widely accepted in our world today. Why do so many people turn to that which destroys societies, destroys individuals? It ravages the home. It ruins marriages. Um, Alcohol takes lives every single day. And we have to be warned against that. If that's not enough then let's look at what the Bible has to say about the use of alcohol. And uh, one thing is certain, we cannot be sober-minded as God had intended for us to be when we allow strong drink to influence us. So thank you for joining Answering Religious Era tonight, and uh, we appreciate any comments that you might have. Uh, And if you're watching on our YouTube channel or our Facebook page, go to the Answering Religious Era section, and uh, you can comment uh, on the chat. Also. If you're watching a shared page, uh, we appreciate all those who share our pages. Uh, but if you make a comment there, we may not be able to see it. We don't comment on every comment, but we save that for our question and answering session on Wednesdays, which we'll talk about toward the end of our program. But if you have a question, and if something comes to your mind throughout the course of this study, email us questions at answeringreligiouserror.com, and we'll put that in the queue to be able to study that a little bit further in our question and answering session every Wednesday at noon. Let's go ahead and bring up our panel tonight, and it's good to see you, gentlemen. We have a uh, special guest with us tonight. Larry Rouse has been with us before, and uh, we appreciate him joining us tonight uh, in the stead of uh, some of our other uh, brothers who couldn't be with us. But you um, all know Bob Myhan and Terry Benton and Mark Dunnigan. Uh, Larry, we'd like to introduce you, though, and uh, maybe tell the folks a little bit about you and where you're from we can go ahead and uh, if you'll just hit that unmute button there, there I mean, that's, that takes us all about six months to figure out. So you're good.
1: <laughs> well, I'm uh, right now in preaching in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, I've been here a couple of years. We're being very aggressive in trying to reach others uh, in evangelism. I've preached uh, a good bit of my life starting around 75. So you can do the math on that in different locations in Alabama and others So help. Start church- churches in a couple of locations. Charlottesville is one of them. And uh, really love being involved with evangelism and working with folks, home studies, and the Lord is blessing us a lot of open doors here.
0: <clears throat> Fantastic. And we like to always remind folks that uh, wherever you are in our country, or perhaps you're watching from overseas, uh, let us know where you are, and we'll be happy to find some brethren that are in your area or nearby. Uh, we'd be happy to talk to you through email or other other ways that we can communicate, uh, but we'd be happy to point you in the right direction so you can find some uh, churches to be encouraged by. So uh, let's go ahead and get into our study this evening. Brother Mark Dunnigan, uh, if you'll start us off with a, uh, a word of prayer to God and go ahead and lead us into our questions. Appreciate that. I, I sure will,
2: Chris. Dear Lord, we are grateful to be alive. We're grateful that we have heard the gospel, that... We are part of the church that is the product of your eternal and eternal wisdom and that we have heard the good news and that we have found the narrow way and the truth. We pray that we would share it with others, that we would be honest with your word and that we would develop into people of integrity and purity and just seek, seek to be lights and have a good influence and when we leave this life that people would be sad that we're gone. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, tonight's lesson, uh, the title would come from Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. Chris, you, you you mentioned something really interesting, and I think the thought would be that even if we did not have Scripture, even if we didn't have the Bible, just from just from the statistics that are out there surrounding alcohol you would have to say this is a dangerous subject, substance i mean if you have no if you have no divine guidance on this from scripture at all you would say this is dangerous i think uh, I, I see the word brawler here 50% of all murders are committed by someone's intoxic- by someone who is intoxicated and 50% of all people who are murdered were intoxicated at the time and it's almost like, well, if you got rid of alcohol, you get rid of half of the murderers. And, and it's like, man, that's, that, that's a big deal. Also, it's interesting, Wine is a mocker. That is, uh, it, it's not interested in truth. It, it, it goes down the road of, well, let's just poke fun at scripture and other people. There's another passage I want to get in here before we throw up that first pass that first question. We can throw that question up anytime here, Chris, our first question there. But in the book of Proverbs twenty-three and verse twenty-nine, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contentions, who has complaining, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of eyes, those who linger long over wine, those who go to take taste mixed wine or to make it even more intensive. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. It's almost like, be careful about buying into, like, the shape of the bottle, the cup, and go like, "Eh, I just love everything. Everything's cool about this. All the surroundings. At the last, it bites like a serpent, stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things, which indicates that it affects your perception and your mind. Uh, And then it says, uh, your mind will utter perverse things, and so it will unloose your mouth, and um, you will not be sober-minded. And you'll be like one who lies down in the middle of the sea, or like one who lies down on the top of a mast, a very precarious position to be in. They struck me, but I did not become ill. They beat me, but I did not know it. Once shall I awake, I will seek another drink. I heard something the other day, Chris, that said that alcohol is a substance like water in this respect when you consume alcohol every single cell in your body is bathed by that alcohol there's no system in your body that is unaffected by it like well that alcohol affects this this but it doesn't affect you there it like it, it instantly goes after every single like particle of you so to speak but we got that first question gentlemen alcohol good or bad some passages seem to commend it and others condemn it or is that even um The more I looked at that and I made up the question, um, I'm not sure if
3: I should word it a little bit differently there. I I know a lot of denominational
2: commentators will say, well, what the Bible condemns is drunkenness, not necessarily um, alcohol. But it seems to me that the Bible always comes down hard on alcohol, not necessarily always hard on wine. The wine in the Bible is not always alcoholic. And so I'd like to hear your thoughts on
0: that. Okay. And before we do, Mark, I want to make a suggestion. Uh, uh, Brian, uh, who's producing the show Behind the Scenes, um, uh, would like maybe for you to uh, bow out video-wise. And we'd like to bring you in through the phone because we're having a little difficulty hearing your voice uh so for the sake of the audience uh he'll give you a call in just a moment we'll try to reorganize this so we can get a better audio from you so we'll see you in a moment all right guys so as we look at this question um good or bad i mean when you say we're going to preach on alcohol sometimes somebody will say well for or against
4: we know the new universal english dictionary of uh words and of arts and sciences defines natural wine, says it is such as it comes from the grape without any mixture or sophistication. And it is mentioned in Genesis 49, verse 11, uh, and Deuteronomy 32, verse 14, the the blood of the grape. And so the blood of the grape is grape juice, also called wine. The same Greek word is translated both uh, wine and grape juice. Uh, And the same thing in in the Hebrew. Also, adulterated wine is that wherein some drug is added to give it strength, fineness, flavor, briskness, or some other qualification. And so if you don't mess with it, it will be all right. It's it's grape juice. And uh, even the wines in the first century uh, only contained about 13 or 14% uh, alcohol. Uh, which is just a little more than NyQuil. NyQuil contains 10% alcohol. And of course, NyQuil and other uh, medications contain uh, small amounts of alcohol. But when when a doctor prescribes any medication that contains alcohol, they tell you, don't be operating machinery. And uh, because it begins to affect you, as little as 10% will affect you and it will affect you uh fairly quickly it won't affect everybody in the same uh degree or to the same extent uh that it begins to affect you affect your judgment at the very least uh almost immediately
0: well terry i think you might be muted so, okay, uh, yeah, sorry. over.
3: sorry here we go all right so uh, I, i'm looking at some passages that Uh, that show us some dangers of it. Uh, Some of those were mentioned in the book of Proverbs. Here's another one. And and to answer the question, is alcohol good or bad? uh, It depends on what you're using it for. And you can use it for a good reason and for a bad reason. So uh, it it itself is neutral. It's you. Now, I'm looking at uh, Proverbs 31. And I want you to notice verse 4. It says... It is not for kings O Lemuel it is not for kings to drink wine nor for princes intoxicating drink. Anything that is intoxicating is it's not for kings and it's not for for princes uh, lest lest they drink and forget the law. so it can, it can make you forget things you need to be thinking about. And so, people who need to be in position of good judgment, kings and princes, people who are in high positions, need to be people who are clear-headed and and are uh, on top of things, especially in regard to God's law. Now he goes on to say, lest he forget the law. If he if he takes uh, alcohol, then he can start forgetting what he needs to be really uh, cognizant about. And that's God's law. And he would pervert the justice of all the afflicted. So you don't want him to be drinking. Why? Because he needs to be clear headed. He needs to have good judgment. So you don't want people in, in those positions to be unclear about what they need to say and what they need to judge. But the thing is here, As you turn to the New Testament and you look in Revelation 1, verse 6, and it says he, talking about Jesus, has made us kings and priests to his God. It's not for kings and and, uh, princes to lack judgment and to be intoxicated in any degree that would interfere with his judgment, and you're a king. Now, if you're a king and it's not for kings to be intoxicated in any degree because you need to to have good judgment, then that's a position. That's a place where we need to be very, very aware. Hey, I need I need all my faculties. I don't need to be lacking in any way when it comes to my position in God's kingdom. I'm a king. You are a king. If you're in his kingdom, you are a king and you have to use good judgment every day because the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if you give him just the slightest opening, the slightest opening could be you taking some alcohol and you've impaired a little bit of your judgment power. Well, if you've impaired your judgment power and you're a king in God's kingdom, hey, you've got to, you're not, Satan is going to take advantage of that. And he knows the level. Now, you don't have to be falling down drunk to be impaired in your judgment skills. And I think a lot of people want to want to throw it into the direction of, I'm not drunk unless I'm falling down drunk. No, that's, he's saying here, impairing the judgment because of the position you're in he may not do the right thing and he may not make the right judgment now he may not be falling down drunk but he may not make the right judgment and so that i think this passage is very important for us to understand who we are it's it's not for us now it may be for somebody who is who is uh Uh, going to have a leg amputated, he might need some. Somebody that's in misery, he might need for medication purposes. But I also think about Timothy. Somewhere along the line, Timothy, as he grew up with scripture, he apparently came to the conclusion that he ought not to drink alcohol, period. He was a teetotaler. He teetotally did without alcohol. Well, how do you know? Well, when he had stomach problems, uh, Paul encouraged him to take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Well, that's a medicinal purpose, and that might help him get over that. He's not te- encouraging him to be a social drinker, That's get around people and, and, and prove to them how far you can go with a little alcohol. He's not encouraging Timothy in that way, but he is saying you've got a medicinal need right here, and I want you to, I want you to take a little for your stomach's sake and your often infirmities. So uh, yes, he was told to drink it for his stomach's sake because they didn't have a lot of different medications in that time. And that was one uh, one of the uses that you could make. And that would be a good use in that time. But I'm afraid a lot of people take that and use that as an excuse to impair their judgment skills when they don't need to impair their judgment skills. Those are just a few of my thoughts.
0: Well, those are good thoughts to uh, you know, bring up. And um, like that question about Timothy, that, that's certainly one we were wanting to cover tonight as well. Glad you approached that. Because, you know, in Scripture, uh, like you said, there were some, are there some positive passages in regard to, well, we'll just use the term wine. Bob addressed the the proper meaning of wine and how it was used in Scripture. It didn't always mean alcoholic content. Uh, so you can't just throw out there, "Well, Jesus turn water into wine? Um, or even the example of Timothy. It's not stated there that the wine that he took for his stomach was even alcoholic in nature. I remember years ago, and this is secular of course, but many of you remember Paul Harvey. He did a, uh, he did a whole speech on the benefits of red grape juice. And he believed that this was the kind of wine, if you will, that was used uh, for antioxidants for stomach. I remember uh, when my children were very little, we gave them uh, white grape juice rather than apple juice because it was easier on the stomach and the digestive system. There are health benefits to the juice, the wine, the oinos, the Greek word uh, meaning that which is from the cluster or the grape, the freshly pressed, um, pressed wine. And uh, there's a lot of scientific ways that you could look at it as well. But um, I'll just sum it up by saying in the term wine, uh, when you look at the context and how it was used, yes, we will use the term medicinal, but we have medicines today that will take care of uh, of many of those problems uh, that, that we do have. Um, you find the term wine or the fruit of the vine used in regard to the Lord's Supper. And by no means do we believe that it was alcoholic. There are some that will teach that. Um, there were uh, those that had vineyards for their fields, their livelihood for that grape, for the grape juice. Um, that did not justify running a what do you call those things? Uh, <laughs> What is that? <laughs> Brewery. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not up on my alcoholic uh, terminology, but um, e- even the common use, you know, um, in regard to uh, the apostles being accused of being drunk in Acts chapter two, uh, being the third out of the day, which is like nine o'clock in the morning. You had had to drink a whole lot of uh, grape juice in order to get even a little bit inebriated. But the point that Terry was making centers around the term being impaired. What is it? You know, when you, let's say you're driving recklessly or whatever, a cop will stop you and he'll ask you, have you been drinking? And oftentimes the people say, oh, I've only had one, you know, one or two drinks. Well, that's one or two too many to be behind the wheel, you know, uh, with the rest of us out there. And uh, those are the famous words, you know, famous last words that many people say, you know, before they end up in the um, well, the funeral uh, kind of thing. Uh, but Larry, uh, do you have any thoughts before we continue? And then I'd like to talk about a couple of comments some of our uh, listeners are, are putting
1: out there. Sure. Um, I, for a while, for 11 years, preached in Auburn, Alabama. We had well over 100 college students commonly in the congregation about each semester. And one of the statistics would be that those who finished college, maybe 90 percent right, 95, it was a pretty high percentage. It was a great, great battle to go against the majority like that. And so the first thing I would just talk to people about, do you really, are you a believer in Christ? Do you believe in his word and his wisdom? And then you can go to some verses that would show you the connection to alcohol and ones losing their salvation, one losing their mind. Uh, You can take uh, Galatians 5, for instance, the works of the flesh and actually so many of these works of the flesh really relate to one another even though there's some individual categories they really do connect but but for instance in verse 21 it talks about envy murders drunkenness rebellious and the like of which i tell you beforehand just as i told you in times past that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of god uh, and so people want to debate, well, what's this mean? What's the details? Is it drunkenness and not alcohol? But let me just say something. This is to our salvation. And from a practical standpoint, if you talk with older Christians who have some years behind them, they will tell you what I'm about to tell you. There's no greater problem in the Lord's church today in terms of drugs than alcohol. Fifty percent of the families and probably more of any church I've ever preached in have been affected by it in some way, either them directly or their children. And when you see a problem like that and you just kind of glibly, yeah, oh well, I'm just warning you, you're not being very wise. And um, I can give you a whole lot of reasons, but other verses, just first off, start with verses and look at these verses and say, okay, I don't want to be found in the wrong side of this. First Peter four, verses three through five. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness, lust, notice drunkenness, reveries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these things, it is strange that you do not run with them in the slain flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and dead. Again, wisdom. Alcohol is often demanded in a lot of relationships. And if you do not partake of alcohol, there are going to be relationships denied you. There can be jobs denied you. That alcohol, it, it, it does a lot of things to us physically, but also socially and why it is accepted socially. Uh, there, there are other angles to this. It's like drug abuse. Drug abuse, alcohol is another form of drug abuse, but there's just so many things from a wisdom standpoint. And you begin to look at this. Oftentimes in fighting alcohol, it's not just alcohol. It may be your own bitterness and past and depression and you self, you kind of self-medicating. It may be the desire to have certain relationships. You don't drink. You might not have those relationships. There's just so many aspects of the binding nature, the addictive nature, the uh, enslavement that alcohol can bring. One last point, and I know it's been made, but I talk with young people, and they look at these verses. Oh, it's just strong drink is condemned. Well, okay, let's talk about that. Do you realize what we have today, and the kind of drink we have today, and what you have in biblical days of the great difference in the two? In Bible days, they it was created by fermentation. And as already been pointed out commonly in history, they would talk about how three to five points water were first one part wine if it had some fermentation in it. And what you're seeing what they would drink and consider even strong drink would not be compared to today. And today we have distillation where you multiply the amount of alcohol and you want to compare something that is far stronger than the strongest drink of the Old Testament and just say, oh yeah, I'm just going to take a little bit. There's so many areas of wisdom and study here it takes some time. But if I want to go to heaven and I want to have the influence of Christ, I want to help others. This other day, just seriously, I'm, I'm making this up. Just a, a, a few months ago, we started a reading in the mall, trying to stay in. And, and the security guard brought us somebody in tears, said, we I, I, this guy needs to pray. You need to pray for this guy. And we started praying with him and he wanted to join our study. Alcoholic. And we've been working with him for months. And I think he's getting ready to come and step out of that. It's very interesting. As you get eyeball to eyeball with people that you know and understand the nature of it, you'll have a very different attitude. But the problem many times is, is that the bad stuff about alcohol is hidden. It's in the background. Nobody gets to see it. We get the positive commercials. I know I'm preaching here a little bit, but you can tell there's a little passion here. When you deal with real people, real families with this, It'll change you. Scripture ought to be enough but there's wisdom here that you need to consider. Sorry, I'll stop. Like I say, I can go on and on. But this is a topic from which all of us, I know all of you have. You've you've seen the disasters. No, We we
0: appreciate your passion against the things that destroy men's souls uh, as well as their physical lives. And, you know, the ironic thing is, you know, we're looking at this from a biblical point of view, but the world understands this. They know this. They even have their limitations, if you will. I, I taught jail studies for 15 years, and so many of those people were in and out of jail because of alcohol, drugs, the things that impair you. Certainly, this subject uh, can stretch you know, farther into other areas, like I said, the use of drugs, anything that impairs the mind. And uh, like the brethren said earlier, there, there are things on the side of the medicine bottles that will tell you when you don't. Uh, drive when you don't, uh, you know, do things that will impair your judgment about things. But, you know, there are some uh, practical questions that folks are asking. Uh, uh, we have uh, a viewer tonight asking the question, is it okay to cook with alcohol? I love cooking with red wine and marsala. And, um you know, my simple answer to this is when you cook with uh, these particular things, the alcoholic content, as I understand it, does uh, dissipate. Um, so I don't believe that you will, um, you know, uh, receive any kind of impairment from that. Uh, My only question would be, you know, how, how comfortable are we, you know, going through the wine section of the store, you know, and things like that. I think there are some other, you know, issues that might come down to personal judgment. Uh, and, uh, you know, those are things to consider. Uh, you certainly don't want to undercook things, uh, to cause somebody to, because, uh, uh, oh, is it Hosea that teaches that? Uh, to cause uh, you know, a brother to uh, you know, become intoxicated is a sin, uh, which ironically is not what Jesus did. He didn't create intoxicating wine to cause his fellow brethren to uh, be drunk and, and to sin. Uh, that would have been a sin him, uh, of himself because he kept the old law. Uh, y'all have any quick comments about uh, that particular uh, uh, point? Mark, good to see you back. Can you give us a little test run on your voice? Yeah, how am I sounding? Oh, much better. better. Yeah,
2: a lot much, better. Much better. Yeah. Okay, you know, I, I think a lot of times it seems also, Chris, that the cooking wines—some of the cooking wines—are not necessarily wines that you would drink. And I mean that there is an option there that you can you can use some cooking wines that are not in the wine section. I think they're often like in the vinegar section is is is, is where they're at. I was impressed though, Chris, by Proverbs 23, just do not look, don't look on the wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, you know, some people might say, uh, Oh, I think the good point is often made that no one knows who's going to be an alcoholic, right? You, I mean, from your first drink and to, to me the, the proverb writer is saying like, Hey, don't even go there. But it's also like, if you're someone who is very fascinated by the way it looks, if you like, the, the shape of the bottle if if you're you're kind of fixated on that 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 bit of perspiration coming down the side of the cold beer bottle and if you like the things associated with it the little cocktail cart and the the the, the mixer thing that you mix drinks with and the cool little bottle openers and all that type of stuff and and the neon beer signs okay just that whole and and when I was a, when I was not a Christian, that stuff really captivated me. Like, man, is that is that cool? I think the proverb writer is saying you're an easy mark for Satan. <laughs> that is, if you're so fascinated by all the little things that surround it, stay away from it, and, and, and stay away from it anyway. But I think that would be kind of a red flag. Um, you know, you start getting you you start getting drawn in by all the like the advertisement that goes with it, and and how it's sold, um, and and then there was um Chris, there was another passage in Proverbs thirty one. I thought that was neat. Um, it, the mother of King Lemuel says in verse four, "It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for rulers to desire strong drink, for they will drink and forget what is decreed, and pervert the rights of all the afflicted." I think we live in a culture that says, well, when I was in Napa, you could see this, wine is for sophisticated, smart people. And I think King Lemuel's mom would say, no, <laughs> no, no, it's not. If you have responsibility and a lot of authority, um, no, it's not. I mean, it's it's a definite danger there. I just thought it's interesting the way that she speaks to because I think a lot of people would say, well, in the ancient world, the kings, it was all about banquets and things like that. And this mother says, but that's what the way kings of the world do it. A godly king doesn't do it that way. Those are my thoughts, Chris.
0: Okay. Well, let me add a couple more comments. And uh, then Bob has a comment. Um, uh, some of our listening audience, again, is making some very good points tonight. Uh, fermentation is a poison. I like that ex- expression there. Uh, hence, the term intoxication it is the juice of the grape that is beneficial to one's health. Uh, and we mention of that just a few moments ago. And here's a here's a really good take on um, on the example of, of what we're setting. Um, this one says, thinking about our Christian example reminds me of Matthew 18, six. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it is better for him that a heavy millstone be hung around his neck and they he'd be drowned in the depth of the sea. Again, uh, you know, Chris, on that one point, can I interrupt on that
2: What last sure. comment? Sure. Um, when I was a brand new Christian and I, I'd been drinking before I became a Christian and you know, getting drunk every night, and I was newly baptized and a member of the church where I was at said, you know, there's a cool little restaurant downtown. If you go in there at a certain hour, you can get like a cocktail for, and if I, if I had bought into that, Chris, I would have never become a preacher and I would not be on the show today. So, yeah, um, great point by Anthony.
0: Great point. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I, a dear preacher friend of mine who's uh, passed away a couple of years ago used to say, you know, I never took a drink. And he said the reason why and, and initially is that uh, one, he saw it in his family as a child, uh, much like the writer of this question pointed out. Uh, As a child, he saw an uncle who destroyed his life with drink. Um, And he said, I never took that first drink because I'm afraid I might have liked it. And I thought, wow, that that's powerful right there. And because how many people do things just because they like it, you know, find something else to like. Um, And getting back to the point of Matthew 18, verse six, how many children out there are being affected, you know, by even the casual use of alcohol in a person's home? When I go to my friends' homes, I don't have to worry about there being alcohol in the fridge or worried about hiding something from the kids. Um, I went into a home of an individual one time, and he had a little baby walking across the couch. And the little baby brings something to me and hands it to me. And it's, the, it's the top of a bottle, a, a beer bottle, you know, with the name imprinted on it. And I just looked at it and said, hmm, you know. And, uh, you know, it, it was very sad. Here was a little person that was just going to be influenced throughout all of her life. And, you know, the old ideas, you've got to wait till you're 21 thing. Well, you know, people joke about giving alcohol to their children all the time. They do their children a great disservice and injustice, and they don't grow up knowing any better. And then we come along and we teach and we show all the Bible verses that talk about all the bad things about alcohol. And they look at us as being very one sided. But, you know, there's more scripture condemning the use of alcohol and the drinking of alcohol than there is on the subject of lying, adultery, swearing, cheating, hypocrisy, pride, blasphemy. And um, when you look at how many verses, how many pages of scripture that you can look at, why do we try to pick out one, one to try to justify something we want to do. And I'd have to ask you this, why do you want to do it? Um, I've smelled people. I smelled people's breath who had been drinking. It is not pleasant. I've seen people throw up on themselves. I'm sorry if that's hard for some people to hear, but uh, that's the, where it leads to. And as we've already pointed out in this program, it will lead to sexual immorality. It leads to immodesty it leads to a, a lack of senses, you know, forget having a good job. And, um, you know, there are many other things that we could personally complain about, but Bob, you had a comment and I've put you on hold for quite a while. So go ahead and let it rip there. Sorry, brother. That's that's the story of my life, Chris. Uh, you know, getting back
4: to look not on the wine when it sparkles in a cup, uh, think about Eve looking at that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It looked delicious, pleasant to look at, and I don't know. I, I think if she hadn't even looked at it, maybe she would not have eaten it. Uh, and so, yeah, we don't need to be looking at things that are that are forbidden, and uh, and fermented. And and the point that one one of the uh, listeners mentioned, intoxication it has the word toxic in there. I just wanted to point that out for any that might have missed it. Uh, alcohol is toxic, and that's where the poison comes in. Anything that is toxic uh, or a toxin, you don't you don't want to drink that, and so you're just asking for trouble.
2: Chris, I'm just impressed by there's a passage in First Peter five that talks about Satan roars, Satan prowls about like a a lion seeking someone to devour, and the last thing, the last thing I need to be is not to have my wits all about me. I mean, I've, I've, I've got this spiritual enemy that's trying to take me down at any moment, who, is also, who also has schemes, Second Corinthians chapter two and verse 11, the schemes of the devil. And so he has a strategy, and so he's been studying me and you. He's been studying all of us. And, like, okay, where's the weak link? And how can I trip them up? And how can I discourage them? And how can I take them unawares? And so I have a hard enough time resisting Satan when I'm sober. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Not being sober is not going to be helpful. Okay. I mean, the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, and the shield of faith. I need. It's it's the. I guess Chris, it's the same thing of, you've got no time to waste in life, number one, and you've got really no time not to have your wits about you, and so be very careful about thinking. Well, you know, tonight or in this opportunity, I don't have to be fully aware of what's going on in life. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. And. Back in Proverbs uh, 23, the, your your mind will utter perverse things. How easily your tongue is loosed. Uh, Chris, I, I remember my family, and they were not Christians. They would have like, we would go there for the holidays. And I would try to get in conversations early on because when, when, when the beer started, when the beer bottle started being popped, you couldn't talk to anybody anymore about a serious, deep, topic all the conversations went to, to to foolish talk that's where they went and to me that was that was sad and it was just interesting it was interesting that one beer would do that one beer later they were a different they talked differently
0: just one well you know when yep. we look at the things that imply the alcohol content in scripture um, and we've already pointed out proverbs 31 several times. One of the key points about that is it dulls the senses. You know, you can't think straight. Uh, Ephesians 5, 6 talks about the seduction of sin. You know, look how many times the Bible gives us a whole list of sins and drunkenness is always in there compared to other things like sexual immorality, adultery, homosexuality, and a lot of I mean, murder. You know, uh, it's in the list. Um, it deprives man of his sleep. Who doesn't want a good night's sleep <laughs> um and of course proverbs 31 it says that you know we forsake judgment we forsake good sense to make good uh you know positive uh decisions in our life uh terry you had a thought before we go on to our next question
3: well along the, along the line of uh, the satan's looking for an opportunity he's got an opportunity the first time we think hey Everybody else can't handle it, but I can. Well, he's already got you on the pride issue. You think that you have got some kind of unusual strength that others don't, and therefore you're going to take take that that uh, that chance and see how much uh, lack of judgment you can use. Well, that uh, that tells. Satan a whole lot. I've got him on this. I got him before he even takes that first drink because he already has deceived himself into thinking that he can handle anything or any amount that others can't do that. Well, look at Romans chapter 13, uh, verse 12. Romans 13, verse 12 says, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us Cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Here's our responsibility is to do the very opposite of those that are giving themselves into the darkness of this world. He says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry. Revelry involves not total inebriation where you're just falling down drunk. It's that starting off part. That's that reverie where you're loosening up and just getting started. That's, that's the part he says where you don't do that. That's for people in the dark and not in drunkenness uh, and not in licentiousness. And I like that term licentiousness in you can, because you're giving yourself a little license here. That's the part Satan wants you to start off with. Give yourself a little license. And once you give yourself a little license, then you can go into the revelry and then you can go into the the drunkenness. And it is not in uh, licentiousness and lewdness where you loosen up and not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make, notice this, no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Don't even give it a chance that's the point. Don't even give it a chance. Once you open that door, you don't know. But what that's the very thing you are caught in. And that's the very thing Satan uses. And not only that, but you've also set an example for others, Uh, as was in the comment just a moment ago about just uh, doing something that's going to cause somebody else to stumble. That is, it's going to get You're going to be their excuse for taking a drink too. And they're going to, if he can do it, then I can do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the, that's the deception that Satan brings to the table. He is looking for you to say, I can handle it. Once you say that you are, you are right in You've played right into his hands and you've made provision. You gave him an opportunity and you did the very thing God said, don't you do. Don't, don't make any provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So think about that and think about the influence on others when you're thinking, I can handle it. You played right into Satan's hands. Exactly. Larry, you had a comment.
1: When I was in high school, I was not a Christian. And therefore, there was social pressure. To be a good old boy and to go out and do what boys supposed to do. And really I'm speaking from a worldly standpoint. And so I went out one night intentionally to get drunk and went with a group of people that wanted to help me do that. Now I can remember when I was drinking the beer, it was awful. I had to take candy to eat it, but I was going to, I was going to get drunk that night and I did. And I'll never forget. First, you be talking about foolishness. Uh, crazy things that did. But I'll never forget toward the end of that, the people that wanted to go out with me, they started swapping drugs with others. And I had no idea anything like that was about to happen. And I was looking at that and I will go, whoa. I remember even as a non-Christian, when I got in the next day, I was thinking, what in the world did I get into? And oftentimes alcohol is a gateway drug to other drugs, and my friends that went down that path had some serious issues later with drug abuse. Now, I don't want to be Mr. Gloom and Doom, but many experienced preachers that I know, and I see it as well, feel like we're losing this battle in the church. We're not getting teaching. There are many people that they may not say it, but they want to go ahead and are getting pulled down this path. I hope I'm wrong. But I'm going to share a real story with you. It breaks my heart. Again, you're talking about passion. I preached at the congregation for seven years, and they evidently brought in a man that later was going down the progressive path of churches, later divided that church. They started a church in Birmingham. And it wasn't long till I was hearing that they would have church get-togethers, and on the emails for the church, you would have BYOB, bring your own beer. And I'll never forget uh, when I was holding a meeting after that division occurred and there was a parent came to me and said, look, one of my children was at the preacher's house and they asked him, have you ever drunk alcohol? No. Would you like to? And they introduced in some of their meetings alcohol to young people in the preacher's house. And it gets worse. As you follow people who knew members there, which I knew, you could start seeing there were alcohol issues. Some of the prominent members would be at a wedding and the wife would be drunk and people would see that. But even worse, I wish this wasn't true. But one of the young men that I taught and that was friends with my children, alcohol had run, run in their family alcoholism. The father was not into alcohol, but he became an alcoholic. And a little over two years ago, he was found dead. And again, you don't play with this. And there was this progressive attitude. The Bible doesn't condemn taking a drink. And they, and they gloried in it. They really gloried that they weren't like these conservative brethren. So again, I'll, I'll stop there. But when you have some experience with this and see what it does, you don't touch it. Um, and I could go on and on. But anyway, but it's a great battle. And brethren, where we're at, we need to be sure we're teaching this. The culture's got all the all the, the microphones, but we need to make sure the ones we are, we're teaching it. But again, get ready. What your own brethren will react to is you try to kindly help them to see what the Bible says.
0: And that's one of the problems is people are trying to find a human reason as to why not do it. You know, even the scriptures talk about sin being a pleasurable thing. For instance, you know, Moses, he did not enjoy the passing pleasures of sin and rather went and suffered with his people. Um, you know, there, there are plenty of things to give us happiness. But what will alcohol hinder? Well, as we've already talked about, it hinders our wisdom, hinders our reason, our memory, our judgment. It'll hinder our finances, our job opportunities. Um hinders our sleep. It hinders our relationships. It's destroyed many marriages. It's destroyed many families. But let's not forget the number one reason. You might say, hey, I've got a great family, got a great job. You know, I've got wisdom. I can reason. My memory's as sharp as a tack. Okay, that's fine. But where's your salvation? Ultimately, that's what we're talking about tonight. Because Drinking alcohol will hinder your salvation and your relationship with God. So I don't care whether you can handle a drink. We're not saying that you're always going to get flat out drunk. That's not the point. It's an argument that we use. Sure. But you know what? That's not the point. The point is you need to do what's right in the sight of God and listen to God's advice. What Jesus himself said and what's taught to his church over and over and over again, you want to be a part of that body, then drinking alcohol is not a way to do it. And there's no way to justify it. We only have a few minutes left of the program tonight. And even though we have a series of questions there, a lot of them have kind of been covered and and answered in various ways. How how do you want to proceed, Mark, uh, in wrapping up some of our thoughts tonight?
2: Well, first of all, great to be on the show. Uh, Great to have Larry on the show with us tonight. I think I ran into your son, I think maybe Harrisburg, maybe Pennsylvania. Uh, And so it's a really neat connection there. A a, a really great point, though, that he made, Chris, is that in a number of places, in a number of places, yeah, this battle's being lost. And it it typically congregations that do not adhere to the scripture, they start getting loose on this issue and that issue. And social drinking shows up. And Chris, you're right. Uh, note a number of Christians, young Christians, that got involved in this, and the marriage did not last, because uh, because you cannot continue to treat the other person as you should, and uh, and and talk to them as you should, and respect them as you should, when alcohol enters the picture. Uh, more and more, I mean, if you're in a congregation that know that and you haven't heard a sermon on this in a while, go up and tell the preacher, hey, we need a sermon or tell the elders, we need, we need a sermon on that. We can't have our heads in the sand. And I think Chris, you made a good point of, uh, to me you might say, this is a symptom of a generation that has not learned to go to God in prayer, has not learned to go to the scriptures and to their brethren for comfort and support and kind of wants a quick fix. Wants an easy way out. But if you're using this, if you're using this like to relax, to put you in the mood, to relieve stress at the end of the day, man, as Terry noted, the devil's got you. Because that means you're not going to God for any of that. You're not going to Philippians chapter four, verses six through eight. Um, And and the older you get, things are going to get harder. The stresses are even harder as you get older. And that would be one reason why you need to rely upon God and make him the center of your life now instead of one well, instead of alcohol. That's just a crutch and it's going to break on you uh, because you're going to be up against a lot harder things in the future. I think we've had some excellent comments on the program tonight, Chris, and I appreciate everyone being here. And I know not the most popular topic in our world, but you know what? We don't care what the world says. Uh, we're in the truth. And Chris, I I was, I preached for a congregation this weekend and I went out and I heard a a young lady say, I'm a book chapter and verse type of girl. I don't need no fluff. Okay. We need more members of the church like that. Those are my
4: thoughts. You know, I want to say one more thing, Chris. Uh, Sometimes the argument is made on the qualifications of elders and deacons that an elder is not to be addicted to wine, but a deacon is not to be addicted to much wine. And the implication, the wrong implication is made that, well, a king can be addicted to wine, just can't be addicted to much wine. But in James chapter one and verse 21, James says, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. So you got to lay aside all all, all uh, filthiness, but you only have, lay aside overflow of uh wickedness or abundance of wickedness so a little bit of wickedness is all right uh by that same uh same reasoning but uh both were both those phrases in first timothy chapter three with reference to the elder and the deacon mean addicted not addicted to wine
0: and we uh, had a uh viewer make an excellent comment i think along the same lines as far as the we'll just use the word moderation here uh mm-hmm. He says no work of the flesh can be done in moderation. (laughs) I love that. Uh, But for some reason, drunkenness can supposedly be done in moderation in the minds of some. There is no middle ground between sobriety and drunkenness. Now, here's what God wants us to do. All right. First Thessalonians chapter five, verses six through eight is the scripture reference that he gives here. And uh, I'm just going to get back up to verse five. That's it. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. I began this program tonight with the statement, how can we be sober minded as God intended us to be if we give ourselves over to alcoholic drink? He goes on in verse seven to say, for those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. And this is, by the way, this is not an endorsement of that. Paul, the apostle, isn't writing to the Thessalonians saying, well, as long as it's night, it's okay. As long as you're in the privacy of your own home, it's okay. This is the problem. And a term that, that we haven't really addressed hard tonight, but the term that I hear among a lot of so-called Christians is that, well, social drinking is okay. Well, again, I don't see where you see that in Scripture. Verse 8 goes on to say, but let us who are of the day. When are we to be of the day? All day and all night. Every day. This is the way we are to live our lives, not just when we show up in a church building. Anyway, continuing on, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Uh, God appointed us to those good things, the good things, and that's what we need to have fully. And if we are practicing adding to our faith, like uh, Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, then we're not wasting time stumbling because we're not practicing Uh, The virtues of faith. And that's what you need to add to your life. And don't do anything for God in moderation. Give him your all. Be a living sacrifice. How can you do that when you're dabbling in the world? You sit down to a good meal and what do you do? You pray to God and you thank him for your blessings. Have you ever prayed to God and thank him for the overflow of alcohol that you have in your home? (laughs) You know, Uh, we've got to be very careful with things like that. Uh, Our brother Richard says, uh, how many alcoholics have said they wish they never took their first drink? I think we all could share stories of, of people and their regrets, people and their regrets. I've I'm, I've attended Alcoholics Anonymous meetings before to get a little experience and uh, was welcome. Um, uh, even though it wasn't an issue that I had, uh, I was there to encourage others. And they all had the same similar stories. And this is one key phrase. They wish they had never taken that first drink. Again, uh, Richard says um, Christians are watchmen. How many guards are allowed to drink on the job? And we are to be watchmen of our souls every single day. Any last comments, then, brethren, before we uh, wrap up our program tonight?
3: I've got one. Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter five contrasts drunkenness with being filled with the spirit. It says, let's walk circumspectly that is you look all the way around and see and evaluate things very carefully don't be as fools but be as wise taking full advantage of the time because the days are evil so be aware what's around you and therefore do not be unwise but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not be drunk with wine do not be drunk and and the Uh, The idea there is don't even begin to be drunk with wine. Don't start it. But in contrast to that, here's something you can do. Put your mind on these things. And if you do this, you don't want that. You know, if you're filled with the spirit, he says, but be filled with the spirit. I I don't have any use for, for drunkenness or even beginning to be drunk. So he says here, be filled with the spirit. Well, how do you do that? Well, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. Now, that's a good use of your mind, a very good use of your time, and a good use of being circumspectly about who you're influencing and who comes under your influence. Do you want them to be influenced by you because you're drinking alcohol? What good is going to come out of that? or do you want them to be influenced by you because you're thinking of spiritual things you're speaking and making singing and making melody in your heart. Now that's, that's worth something there. He says, uh, the other way dissipates is involved in dissipating your moral standards, but this way is strengthening your moral standards. So do you want to strengthen your moral standards? Or do you want to dissipate those things? Alcohol dissipates your moral standards. Being filled with the spirit strengthens them. And so that's the contrast I think we need to emphasize tonight. Get your head on straight. Uh, which way do you want to go? The way of drunkenness that dissipates your moral standards or the way of being filled with the spirit? And I think the fruit of the spirit will give you the kind of life of peace and joy and all of the good things of life. Those will be yours. You're not gonna miss anything. If you're filled with the spirit,
0: I got to pick on Bob a little bit. He made a little joke behind the scenes here. We need the spirit, not the spirits. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Right, right. Larry, you had another comment.
1: There are some legitimate arguments that we just didn't have time to consider. That really takes a lot of time to weigh on individual verses. And there's, we could maybe provide some links after the study for people to look at. I know Jim Deason hosted a group of preachers several years ago in Colvin, and they do this annually. I forget what it's called. Tremendous resources. And I think it's still online. I would recommend if you wanted to go to the University Church of Christ in Auburn to their website and look at an old meeting that Steve Klein did, K-L-E-I-N. He did a lesson on alcohol that's one of the most powerful I've ever heard, PowerPoint files. And so maybe that resource could be provided later for this program for people. If you want to get into a deeper study, because there'll be some people say, I've got a legitimate argument. You haven't addressed it. And I realize that this is just one show. But those things can be addressed. And uh, and but do some more study. Be serious about it. If you're serious about it, um, I feel very confident with the position you take. In time.
0: Excellent, and if we're talking about other resources too, um, I recently acquired a book written by our own brother Jared Jacobs. He was on the program last Wednesday, and uh, you can order this book called Wine. Uh, he covers a lot of things that we did discuss tonight. He even has some statistics in there about alcoholic content. It's a it's a very easy read, uh, and uh, this you need to add to your libraries. You can get it on Amazon, or or actually order from Jared himself. Uh, you can find him on Facebook. Um, he's up at the Caneyville, uh, Kentucky, but, uh, look up wine. Um, I use, uh, the Amazon, uh, service and Alexa. And when I ordered it, um, it always likes to let me know, uh, when I have deliveries coming to my house. And one day I'm sitting here and all of a sudden Alexa says, uh, uh, wine has been delivered to your door. And I'm just like, What? <laughs> And I was talking about this book, but, um, guys, we could talk about this all night. Um, it would be easy to do a part two, but I think maybe we'll reserve it for a future study. We'll always come back to this topic and it's always been a, uh, kind of a side discussion of some of our other topics, especially when we are talking about keeping our head on straight. Uh, Mark, it's good to be with you tonight. Thank you for uh, putting together this study. Any last comments before, uh, we, we finish up? Okay. Well, we look forward to seeing you all next time around. Larry, thank you for spending some time with us tonight and uh, joining us again. And Bob, of course, thank you and Terry for being a regular. And uh, so we will see you guys next time around. Don't forget that uh, we come to you every Tuesday night, if the Lord wills on our keeping our head on straight series, as we approach different topics each and every week, much like this. And uh, so we are excited about the enthusiasm that many of you viewers are showing and asking questions. Some of them can carry over into our question and answer session every Wednesday at noon. So we hope that you'll join us for the live Bible QA every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time, uh, right here on Facebook and YouTube. So if you have a question, just email us questions at Answering com and uh, we'll put your questions in the queue so that you can uh, have those answered and be part of that discussion as well in future studies. But backing up throughout the week, we also uh, want to mention some other studies going on. As brother, Bob, my who's just with us, has his own study called Bob's Bible Basics every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then on Thursday evenings, uh, there's a study for women by women called Older Women Likewise. And so you ladies will find great encouragement uh, listening to these women of faith. But remember, every weekday, every weekday, you can start your day with the daily answer. Uh, You've heard Brother Mark Dunnigan with us tonight. Uh, You'll hear some good audio uh, when uh, he hosts this podcast, bringing perspectives of his life, interesting stories from his childhood, all making a biblical connection uh, so that you can learn to be encouraged through God's word and look at what life truly means through the eyes of, of a Christian man and the experiences that he's had in this life. Sometimes they're just uh, just good old basic Bible studies, and other times uh, he may share a story with us. Every day you're going to get a little something different. Uh, So tune in every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, We drop those about 5 a.m., but you can listen to them at any point throughout the day. In fact, as soon as we finish this study, you can go right over, bring up your favorite podcast platform, and ask for the daily answer. That being said, we also have these programs in podcast form. So if you want to go back and listen to some of the things we've already talked about on our Tuesday night study or our Wednesday study, uh, you just bring up uh, Answering Religious Error on your favorite podcast platform, and we'll be right there to listen to for your convenience. Well, it's been great being with you all tonight. Thank you for your interest, and we look forward to seeing you next time on Answering Religious Error.